0: Spoken
1: Word. Half an hour of poetry and performance. Your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene. The voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is the Spoken Word program and today it's being presented by me, Santo Katsati. Today's program is going to play some recordings from a gig that took place last year. Um, It was a tribute to the great Allen Ginsberg. The purpose of this tribute, which took place at Hares and Hyenas Bookshop in Johnston Street on Wednesday 25 October 2017, um, in the evening, the purpose of the tribute was that at that time it was the 50th anniversary of the HAL obscenity trial. Howe being the great poem and book that Allen Ginsberg wrote, which was highly controversial at the time. And also last year was the 20th anniversary of the death of Allen Ginsberg. Ginsberg broke new territory as an openly gay writer in the 1950s, and he also crossed over into political poetry, mystical beat poetry, and uh, there were also some very tender evocations of the working class. He certainly uh, is now recognized as one of America's premier poets of the 20th century. So at this fundraiser, um, it was a fundraiser uh, that took place at Hares and Hyenas Bookshop last year as a tribute to Allen Ginsberg. The uh, proceeds of the event went to support LGBTQI literary culture. Uh, a very great uh, exemplar of which is, of course, the bookshop Hairs and Hyenas. So anyway, let's um, start off by playing the introduction to the evening that was given by one of the organisers of it, Duncan Graham, and uh, he'll say quite a lot more about Allen Ginsberg and about the purpose of the evening, as you will hear right now.
2: Welcome to Hairs and Hyenas for Kaddish, a tribute to the late Allen Ginsberg. It is 20 years ago this year since Alan passed away at 70. It is 60 years ago this month that the book Howl and other poems survived an obscenity charge. And it is 62 years ago that Howl Part 1 was first read in public and a career was launched overnight. A small band of 15 will be pecking through 30 years of Alan's work in poetry and song. Alan was the mother of the beat generation. He was a nurturer. He got both Bill Burroughs and Jack Kerouac their first publishing deals, and he was constantly extolling the works of other upstarts in front of publishers and the like. When things turned to shit, as they often did, Alan would have to step in to sort things out. The murder of David Cameron, the killing of Joan Burroughs, the weird death of Bill Canastra Alan was always called in to mop up on the edges. He elicited powerful love from his friends and later from celebrities for his open-hearted generosity and warmth. He was also surrounded by madness of one sort or another. When he struck up with Peter Orlovsky, he gained four Orlovsky brothers, all on the edges of psychosis. All of this comes powerfully home to Alan when his mother Naomi died in 1956. It hit him hard. I need not describe her psychiatric disorder or her life, as is all there in the poem Kaddish. In late 1960, Timothy Leary invited Ginsberg and Orlovsky to try LSD. Allen had a very grandiose trip, insisting he had incipient healing powers and was a messiah. He called Kerouac whilst high, but could not convince Jack that it was time to seize power over the universe and become the next consciousness. Sooner or later, someone turned down the Wagner on the record player and calmed Allen down. Allen Ginsberg was eager to place himself in a tradition and to pay homage to his predecessors, some of whom we will meet through his own work. Perhaps his proudest line of succession was a kind of sexual daisy chain that goes thus. Walt Whitman's sometimes late period lover was Edward Carpenter. Edward Carpenter later screwed the grandson of accidental US President Chester A. Arthur. This fella, Gavin Arthur, copulated with Neil Cassidy, the great muse of Kerouac and Ginsberg. And for many years, Cassidy and Neil were on and off as fuck buddies and lovers. The seed that passed between those five men must have been potent stuff, because it carried much of Whitman's long-line cadence and expansiveness with it, to culminate in Ginsburg's mid-fifties works. Here, Santo Casati reads A Supermarket in California, Allen's first poem to address Whitman directly. He will follow up with America, another poem from the same book, Howl, and other poems.
1: A Supermarket in California. What thoughts I have of you tonight, Walt Whitman, for I walked down the side streets under the trees with a headache, self conscious, looking at the full moon. In my hungry fatigue and shopping for images, I went into the neon fruit supermarket dreaming of your enumerations. What peaches and what penumbras, whole families shopping at night, aisles full of husbands, wives in the avocados, babies in the tomatoes. And you, Garcia Lorca, what were you doing by the watermelons? Hmm? <laughs> I saw you, Walt Whitman, childless, lonely old grubber, poking among the meats in the refrigerator and eyeing the grocery boys. I heard you asking questions of each. Who killed the pork chops? What price bananas? Are you my angel? I wandered in and out of the brilliant stacks of cans following you, and followed in my imagination by the store detective. We strode down the open corridors together in our solitary fancy-tasting artichokes, possessing every frozen delicacy and never passing the cashier. Hmm. Where are we going, Walt Whitman? The doors close in an hour. Which way does your beard point tonight?' I touch your book and dream of our odyssey in the supermarket and feel absurd. Will we walk all night through solitary streets? The trees add shade to shade, lights out in the houses, we'll both be lonely will we stroll dreaming of the lost america of love past blue automobiles in driveways home to our silent cottage ah oh, dear father grey-beard lonely old courage teacher what america did you have when Karen quit polling his ferry and you got out on a smoking bank and stood watching the boat disappear on the black waves of Lethe. Hmm.
2: America. America.
1: America America, I've given you all and now I'm nothing America $2.27 January 17 1956 I can't stand my own mind America when will we end the human war go fuck yourself with your atom bomb I don't feel good, don't bother me I won't write my poem until I'm in my right mind America, when will you be angelic? When will you take off your clothes? When will you look at yourself through the grave? When will you be worthy of your million Trotskyites? America, why are your libraries full of tears? America, when will you send your eggs to India? I'm sick of your insane demands. When can I go into the supermarket and buy what I need with my good looks? (laughs) America, after all, it is you and I who are perfect, not the next world. Your machinery is too much for me. You made me want to be a saint. There must be some other way to settle this argument. Burroughs and Tangiers, I don't think you'll come back at sinister. Are you being sinister? Or is this some form of practical joke? I'm trying to come to the point. I refuse to give up my obsession. America, stop pushing, I know what I'm doing! America, the plum blossoms are falling! I haven't read the newspapers for months. Every day somebody goes on trial for murder. America, I feel... Sentimental about the wobblies. America, I used to be a communist when I was a kid. I'm not sorry. I smoke marijuana every chance I get. I sit in my house for days on end and stare at the roses in the closet. When I go to Chinatown, I get drunk and never get laid. My mind is made up. There's going to be trouble. You should have seen me reading Marx. My psychoanalyst thinks I'm perfectly right. I won't say the Lord's Prayer. I have mystical visions and cosmic vibrations. America, I still haven't told you what you did to Uncle Max after he came over from Russia. I'm addressing you. Are you going to let your emotional life be run by Time magazine? I'm obsessed by Time magazine. I read it every week. Its cover stares at me every time I slink past the corner candy store. I read it in the basement of the Berkeley Public Library. It's always telling me about responsibility. Businessmen of seriousness. Movie producers are serious. Everybody's serious but me. It occurs to me that I am America. I'm talking to myself again. Asia is rising against me. I haven't got a Chinaman's chance. I'd better consider my national resources. Hmm. My national resources consist of two joints of marijuana, millions of genitals and unpublishable private literature that goes 1,400 miles an hour and 25,000 mental institutions. <laughs> I say nothing about my prisons nor the millions of underprivileged who live in my flower pots under the light of 500 suns. I have abolished the whorehouses of France, Tangiers is the next to go. My ambition is to be president, despite the fact that I'm a Catholic... America, how can I write a holy litany in your silly mood? I will continue like Henry Ford. My strophes are as individual as his automobiles. More so, they're all different sexes. America, I will sell you strophes. $2,500 apiece. $500 on your down on your old strophe. America, free Tom Mooney. America, save the Spanish loyalists. America, Sacco and Vanzetti must not die. America, I am the Scottsboro Boys. America! When I was seven, Mama took me to communist cell meetings. They sold us as a handful per ticket. A ticket cost a nickel and the speeches were free. Everybody was angelic and sentimental about the workers. It was all so sincere. You have no idea what a good thing the party was in 1934. Scott Neering was a grand old man, a real mensch. Mother Blue made me cry. I once saw Israel Amped a plane. Everybody must have been a spy. America, you don't really want to go to war. America, it's them bad Russians. Them Russians, them Russians, and them Chinamen. And them Russians! The Russia wants to eat us alive. The Russia's power mad. She want to take our cars from out our garages. Her want to grab Chicago. Her needs a red reader's digest. Her wants our auto plants in Siberia. Him big bureaucracy running our filling stations. That no good. Ah, Him make Indians learn read. Him need big bad black niggers. Ha, ha! make us all work 16 hours a day. Help! America, this is quite serious! America, this is the impression I get from looking in the television set. America, is this correct? <laughs> i better get right down to the job. It's true. I don't want to join the army or turn lathes and provision parts factories. I'm nearsighted and psychopathic anyway. America, I'm putting my queer shoulder to the wheel. I
2: have a feeling it's going to be a pretty good night. America, America, America. Halfway between Patterson and New Jersey where Allen grew up and Manhattan where he lost his psychic and sexual cherry lies the town of Rutherford. Here for over 35 years the local Puerto Rican paediatrician spent his nights writing sparse imagist poems and hanging out with Ezra Pound and Hilda Doolittle. His name was William Carlos Williams. His early style could be summed up with his most reprinted poem, which can be read in under 10 seconds. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. When Ginsberg saw Williams read in 1950, he felt a revelation and a kinship. They struck up a correspondence and inaugurated a mentorship that would continue for 30 years. From Williams, Ginsburg would learn how to find a design that sat between poetry and prose, and also how to break the lines for maximum power in performance. Whilst teaching in China in 1984, twenty years after the old man's death, Allen wrote, Written in My Dreams by William Carlos Williams, an evocation of his mentor's style. This will be read by Waffle Iron Girl.
3: Will you breathe with me? I was listening to a lecture that Ginsberg was giving at the Naropa University. As you said, he was a great admirer of William's work, and one of the things he said was about William's control of breath. As is, you're bearing a common truth, commonly known as desire. No need to dress it up as beauty, no need to distort what is not standard into something understandable. Pick your nose, eyes, ears, tongue, sex and brain to show the populace. Take your chances on your accuracy. Listen to yourself talk to yourself and others will also gladly relieved of their burden of thought and grief. What began as desire will end wiser. As a spoken word performer, I am often talking to you. When I found this, I felt like it was speaking to me. I'm still not quite sure I've heard it yet. Um, I'm hoping to hear it tonight. I dreamed I dwelled in a homeless place Where I was lost alone Folk, look right through me into space and pass with eyes of stone. O oh, homeless hand on many a street, accept this change from me. A friendly smile, a oh, word is sweet as fearless charity. Woe working man who hears the cry And cannot spare a dime Nor look into a homeless eye Afraid to give the time So rich or poor, no gold to talk A smile on your face The homeless ones where you may walk Receive amazing grace where I was lost alone. Folk look right through me into space and past with eyes of stone.) Yes. <clears throat>
1: You're on Community Radio 3CR and you're listening to the Spoken Word Programme. Today's programme is playing some excerpts from a gig at Hares and Hyenas Bookshop last year in tribute to Allen Ginsberg. And we're now going to move to a very passionate performance and reading by the other organiser of the event and also longtime 3CR stalwart, Peter Davis.
0: room at Greyhound in the depths of the Greyhound terminal sitting dumbly on a baggage truck looking at the sky waiting for the Los Angeles Express to depart worrying about eternity over the post office roof in the nighttime red downtown heaven staring through my eyeglasses I realised, shuddering, these thoughts were not eternity, nor the poverty of our lives, irritable baggage clerks, nor the millions of weeping relatives surrounding the buses and waving goodbye, nor other millions of the poor rushing around from city to city to see their loved ones, nor An Indian, dead with fright, talking to a huge cop by the coke machine. Nor this trembling old lady with a cane, taking the last trip of her life. Nor the red-capped cynical porter, collecting his quarters and smiling over the smashed baggage. Nor me, looking around at the horrible dream. Nor mustached Negro operating clerk named Spade Dealing out with his marvellous long hand The fate of thousands of express baggages Nor Fairy Sam in the basement limping from leaden trunk to trunk Nor Joe at the counter with his nervous breakdown Smiling cowardly at the customers Nor The greyish-green whale's stomach, interior loft, where we keep the baggage in hideous racks. Hundreds of suitcases full of tragedy rocking back and forth, waiting to be opened. Nor the baggage that's lost, nor damaged handles, nameplates vanished, busted wires and broken ropes, whole trunks exploding on the concrete floor. Nor sea bags emptied into the night in the final warehouse Yet Spade reminded me of Angel unloading a bus dressed in blue overalls black face official Angel's workers cap pushing with his belly a huge tin horse piled high with black baggage looking up as he passed the yellow light bulb of the loft and holding high on his arm an iron shepherd's crook. It was the racks, I realised sitting myself on top of them now as is my want at lunchtime to rest my tired foot. It was the racks great wooden shelves and stanchion posts and beams assembled floor to roof jumbled with baggage the Japanese white metal post-war trunk gaudily flowered and headed to Fort Bragg one Mexican green paper package and purple rope adorned with names for Nogales hundreds of radiators all at once for Eureka crates of Hawaiian underwear Rolls of posters scattered over the peninsula. Nuts to Sacramento. One human eye for Napa. An aluminium box filled with human blood for Stockton, and a little red package of teeth for Calistoga. It was the racks, and these on the racks I saw, naked in the electric light, the night before I quit. The racks were created to hang our possessions, to keep us together, a temporary shift in space. God's only way of building the rickety structure of time, to hold the bags, to send on the roads, to carry our luggage from place to place, looking for a bus to ride us back home to eternity, where the heart was left and farewell tears began. A swarm of baggage sitting by the counter as the transcontinental bus pulls in. The clock registering 12.15am, May 9, 1956. The second hand moving forward, red. Getting ready to load my last bus. Farewell Walnut Creek, Richmond, Vallejo, Portland, Pacific Highway Fleet-footed Quicksilver, God of transients. One last package sits lone at midnight, sticking up out of the coast rack. As the dusty fluorescent light. The wage they pay us is too low to live on. Tragedy reduced to numbers. This for the poor shepherds. I am a communist. Farewell, ye greyhound, where I suffered so much, hurt my knee and scraped my hand, and built my pectoral muscles as big as vagina
1: you have been listening to a tribute to alan Ginsberg, recorded last year at hares and hyenas bookshop that's the end of spoken word for this week on 3cr community radio goodbye until next time